this week's New Yorker magazine, which I like as much for its cartoons as anything else, has a somewhat funny article entitled, To Fall Out of Love, Do This. That's the name of it. To Fall Out of Love, Do This. And this article, boy, what a title, by the way. I mean, it seems somewhat indicative of the times we live in. Very skeptical of some of our highest values. Well, anyway, the article is composed of a list of 35 questions which you can ask your significant other if you wish to, and if you want to fall out of love. So if that's your goal, then here are the 35 questions that will do it. I'm not recommending this, by the way. Uh, I'm doing what's called using a sermon example. So I am not recommending that you do this, but I'm going to tell you what one of the 35 questions is, and then you won't need to go read the rest of them. Question number eight says, name three things that are irritating about your partner. Now, I don't know about you, but I immediately feel like this is a road I should not go down. <laughs> this is not the pathway in life for me or perhaps anyone. This is not going to lead somewhere where I want to be. But why? What's the problem with this way of thinking? I suspect that many of us have an intuitive notion that these negative ideas, if brought to our awareness, are going to somehow reinforce this negative approach. And we're in danger of getting enmeshed kind of in a cycle of criticism and judgment. I, I think intuitively we feel that danger. We might even think of more than three things. And then we're really off and running. So this does not seem like a good idea to me. And I do not recommend it. So... If we are ready to accept that this is a technique that could have effects, it really could, how about if we turn it around and make a list of three things we find wonderful about someone we love? What if we did it that way? Would that also have a significant effect? Would it also perhaps lead us to get started on a cycle of positive thoughts that feed on each other? We might come up with more than three things. We might even keep that list going. Is that something that might happen? A growing body of research should suggest that this is exactly what might happen, that this might have an effect. And so in recent years, uh, a set of simple techniques have been developed around the idea of expressing gratitude. 
of consciously calling to mind those things that we are thankful for, be they qualities of a loved one, special places in our life, wonderful friends, pieces of music, sunsets. I like sunsets, by the way. I love them. Delicious foods, joyful memories, cherished dreams, works of art, beloved pets, particular experiences we've had, certain cafes, a song that lifts our spirits, whatever or whoever it is that we feel grateful for. We all have these. We don't think about them all the time, but we have these parts of our lives that we feel grateful for. And when we start thinking about these things and intentionally bringing them to our consciousness, then that has an effect on us. And there is research that says that it does. It doesn't mean that every problem immediately goes away. That's not the effect. But there is an effect of lifting our spirit that takes place. So how could we go about this kind of practice? Well, one way is to make a list. You might try listing each evening three things that happen during the day that you're grateful for. You might try that. I have done, I did something like that for quite a few years. I have a different twist on it right now, but I practiced that particular way for quite a number of years. Or if you don't even want to say you're grateful, you could just say three good things that happened during the day. You know, there was a little girl going to Sunday school and she smiled at me. That would do it. <laughs> you might not have something happen every day that's as dramatic as Helen's experience in Sevilla, but I'll bet you that three good things will happen to you every day. I'll bet on it. As a matter of fact, I'll bet you that maybe three good things already happened to you today. So this is one way you could practice that technique, if you like. And by the way, if you feel like going beyond three, no one is going to stop you and give you a ticket for excessive gratitude. No one is going to grade your paper. And by the way, when you do this, I recommend that you not sit there and think about whether this particular item should go on the list or not. If you're, just put it on the list and keep going. Don't try to figure out if it's good enough. It is. So you might try that for a week and see if you like it. There's a wonderful author, Sonia Libomirsky, uh, who's written a book called The How of Happiness, which I really recommend. And she is a scholar who has really studied this process, and she suggests making a list once a week. That's her suggestion. As a matter of fact, she even, in an experiment, had people do it on Sunday night. So it's, this would be a great night to, to try that out if you want to. And she suggests that you make a list once a week of things you're grateful for, and you go for five. You go for five things. 
And then, you know, if you can't resist going beyond five, then you just do that. You just let that be whatever it is. She is a wise person, and so I think her idea of once a week is undoubtedly something that has been thought out and has been verified experimentally, so you might like to try that. That's a technique. So research on this practice suggests that people get happier when they do this. Not happy completely forever with no more sadness. You just get happier. It's something that sets our thinking moving in a certain direction, and when we get moving in a certain direction, that tends to propagate itself. Just like in the goofy article in the New York Times, you could get propagated in that direction too, couldn't you? But I'm not sure why you would want to do that. Dr. Lebomirsky says that this practice has a number of effects. It promotes the savoring of life's experiences. It promotes self-esteem. It helps us cope with stress and trauma. It encourages moral behavior. It helps build social bonds. It discourages us from comparing ourselves to others because we're just paying attention to our experience. It diminishes negative emotions. And it helps us to avoid something called hedonic adaptation. This is a great idea. Never knew what this was before. But what that means is that if you have a good experience and then you just repeat that experience over and over again, you will tend to get used to it and it won't be as wonderful. For example, I happen to love peach cobbler. I am totally into peach cobbler. There has never been a peach cobbler that equaled my grandmother's, but there are some good ones in the world. But if I were to eat peach cobbler for every meal, every day, then according to this theory, it would become less satisfying because there's too much of it and I don't have enough variety. So uh, if we are constantly bringing to mind new things that give us joy, which we can do in this technique, we can come up with new experiences and new things that give us joy, then it tends to work against this hedonic adaptation. And the idea of doing this once a week may that may be one of the reasons she likes that, I think. So think about that. As a matter of fact, she says, if you want to fight hedonic adaptation, then you should move the artwork in your house around about once a month. You should move it. Because it's sitting in the same place and you just walk through that room or after a while you don't see it anymore. You're not appreciating that work of art. But if you take that piece and put it over the fireplace, it's like, oh, you notice it. So that's another little tip there, no extra charge for that. So these are some of the things that a gratitude practice will tend to promote. So does that mean that life will be fine from now on when we make a list? Well, evidently not. Life has a tragic dimension that never really goes away. 
Although we may experience times when it really disappears entirely for a while. What a nice experience that is. Times when really all is well with the world. I do not think it's a good idea to pretend that the tragic dimension doesn't exist. But we really don't have to go looking for it. And we don't need to make lists of it. Don't need to do that. The tragic dimension of life will find us without us going to look for it. So there's no need to worry that it'll somehow be unjustly lost or something like that. It will be there. We don't need to meditate on it or make lists to call it to mind. There's a time to laugh and a time to cry, and laughing is usually more fun. But they both have their place. Strangely enough, even the tragic dimension of life has a kind of beauty to it sometimes. Like, for example, sometimes in a memorial service, I think we experience something as beautiful, even though we're in a time of great sadness. So those things can coexist. People have been going to see Romeo and Juliet for hundreds of years. And they often walk out and say, that was beautiful. I can assure you that that story does not have a happy ending. And yet we see beauty in that. And so even in tragedy, there can often be something beautiful, even though we would not go looking for it. We might even include some incident of tragic beauty sometime on a list that we might make. The beauty of a sad and tragic story is is still beauty. A program of wellness obviously includes other kinds of techniques than just gratitude. And I know that many of you know these things and to a certain extent we all know them like regular exercise we know has a direct effect on consciousness and our mood. A healthy diet is another factor that we know makes a difference. Meditation is gaining more and more acceptance as a technique that has measurable positive effects. As a matter of fact, we have a meditation group on Tuesday night at 7, so if you don't know how to meditate, or if you just want to meditate with other people, come Tuesday night. There's a technique you can learn that's very, very simple. Goal setting and achieving of goals is a happiness technique. So if you decide to build a parking lot and then you're successful in doing that, it'll make you happier. And I swear we just experienced that about 10 minutes ago. That, we're happy about that. And we applauded. So there's something good about that. We wanted to do something and we did it. Optimism is a happiness technique. This past Friday, one of the great optimists of the world passed away, Ernie Banks. One a person noted as being a fantastic baseball player, but known for being the ultimate optimist. 
never played on a team that made the playoffs in 19 years and always said, this is great, this is the greatest thing in the world and we're going to win it all this year. Optimism, at least according to Dr. Libomirsky, increases happiness. It also seems to be that not every technique has the same effect on each person. So we have to look at these techniques and see what works well for us. People are runners. I'm sure there are runners in this room right now. And that may be the technique that gets your blood circulating to the brain and increases your well-being. Or it may be yoga. Or it may be something else. Something that has that effect on us of increasing our sense of well-being. I think it makes sense to be grateful for being alive, for being a conscious being. What an amazing thing that is to be alive. What, an, uh, what a tremendous opportunity to be a living, breathing, experiencing being with an apparently infinite number of experiences available to us. How fortunate we are in many ways. In more traditional language, we would say that we should count our blessings. Know that phrase? That hymn we sang this morning, For the Beauty of the Earth, is a gratitude list. That's what that hymn is. If you go back and look, for the beauty of the earth, for the splendor of the skies, for the love that's from our birth over and around us lies. And then the chorus gives thanks. And then the next line is another list of wonderful things. And then the chorus gives thanks. That's what that song is. So you might think about it in that traditional way, or if that's not helpful to you, just think about it as appreciation or as things that make you feel good. And you, we call these to mind. And when we call them to mind, we feel a little whiff of that. We get the breeze from that. We don't, might not get the experience itself, but we get a little breeze coming from that experience. We could also wonder this morning whether there's some entity somewhere that we should thank or if it's all maybe just a big accident. One of my favorite theologians named Sally McFaig says that if it is an accident, it is a sacred accident. It's a sacred accident. One, because it's so amazing that it happened. And two, because it's an accident with the highest possible value that has created all this. So if you see that in more traditional terms as a god or a goddess, then great. And if it seems more like some crazy accident, I invite you to look at it in this perspective of a sacred accident. It's an accident with meaning. Let us give thanks that we don't have to decide that particular question right now. I might put that on my list that I didn't have to decide that today. Without any theology whatsoever, 
we can observe the world around us, including ourselves, and we can take note of the order and beauty and pattern and the sheer amazement of it all. And we can call our attention to these things and consciously appreciate them. Carl Sagan said, we are a way for the universe to know itself. It's almost as if the universe wants to be conscious of itself. We can choose to pay attention to the beauty and yet not deny the tragedy when it occurs. We can cultivate an appreciation of life, an attitude of gratitude. If we consciously do this, it will lead us on a more joyful, more satisfied pathway. It will not totally fix the world, but it will help us on our way and it will naturally lead us to want to extend this feeling to others to make sure all beings have a chance for that kind of fulfillment. And so the road leads from inner experience to outer expression. So let's pay attention to the beauty of life that we may not sleep through the show. Let us take note and appreciate and give thanks and feel the wonder of it all. In this way, joy increases, we become stronger and more useful, and perhaps even the universe itself is glad to be appreciated.